Good morning. It is May 7th, 2020, and this is Ruth Wittstein, and you're listening to A Northerner Stuck in the South. And this might be a short one. I don't know, depending. The weather's beautiful in the south right now, nice and cool. I don't know how long it's going to last. We're supposed to get crappy weather moving in tonight. Oh, the drama trauma of our lives as we work through this pandemic. My husband has been on the 14-day quarantine thing as mandated by the hospital. He has been emailing his work that he doesn't really want to go back to to tell him, you know, that he's still on quarantine. They don't believe him. And so they fired him. These people are something else. They, they told him not to come back until Monday the 11th with papers in hand. And then today he received an email that he's fired. Unbelievable. Trumpy people, I'm telling you. That's okay. He's got this other thing lined up and we're, we're going to be okay. We're just going to survive it a little bit at a time. Um... <clears throat> But, you know, this is an ongoing thing all across the nation. People are getting fired when they fall ill and they're not being backed by their companies. I've seen some things happen. Um, just different corporations not taking care of their their frontline employees. It's probably a blessing in disguise keeping him safe from something God knows worse. So we take it day by day. I was very upset, kind of lashed out. It's not his fault. It's their fault. They, they don't want to honor. They don't want to honor anything. They're just unbelievable people. There. The downside is, is he's got to go back there though to get all his stuff. He has things there that he needs to pick up, and I just don't even know if they're going to let him back in to get it. That's the problem. So he should be able to get his own property. <laughs> But he's probably going to walk in his office and find everything thrown in the garbage and, you know, all the little letters that our little baby girl has written him that he put on the walls. They're so vindictive. It would be surprising if they did that. Didn't do that, you know. Did that, whatever. It wouldn't be surprising to me. I've run into places like that. Vindictive people. This is the time when Everybody's at their worst, unfortunately. They're not at their best. A lot of your, I mean, the frontline workers, definitely at their best. But the government, not at their best. And uh, different places that are on the side of the Trump administration, definitely not on their best. Anyways, nothing can be done about it. I'm just going to hang in there. We have money tucked back. It's a good thing we didn't break <clears throat> break ground on the house. Because if we had, there would have been our nest egg and we'd be living in the bones of a house. <laughs> Not that anybody's never done that, because I promise they have. I know. In fact, I think I remember growing up, there was a time when my mom and dad were doing some remodeling or something. I remember living in a very sparse cabiny type place with no insulation. <laughs> My grandpa did it too. He was living in the place that he was building. 
people do it all the time. So that might be something we do. I don't know. We can't let this bring us down. That place was so toxic. And that's the thing. You know, it's hard to say this when, when the world, half the world is out of work right now during this pandemic in 2020. Um, but people should not be working in toxic places or doing things that are um, just toxic to your soul. And if there's a way to protect yourself, you need to try. Because <clears throat> I don't, I just, I've noticed he's been miserable when he works there. Every day he goes to work and comes home, he's just pissed off. And then he got this email today, and he seemed kind of happy about it. I was a little angry because I felt it was them being mean to him. Again, um, I guess I wanted him to be the one to put the resignation in and say goodbye. But they did it. So, <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll just hang in there the best that we can and hope that he doesn't. Hope that the social security is enough and that my writing and my artwork and everything's enough. I just supplement and survive. Sometimes things happen to where you have to force yourself to do something different. And it might be good. It might be really good. This will be allowing us to do things differently. Okay, so uh, I was busy for a bit. Now I'm back for just a little bit. Um, we're not going to talk about the fact that my husband just got fired. <laughs> Again, I'm not doing that. It's sore spot. We had some talkings about it. and Bless his heart, he's so angry. But not angry. I mean, he's happy that he doesn't have to go back there again. But angry that it turned out like that. Like they were treating him like that. I guess it's time for to get our our little business going then we have a business that we want to do where we do um uh laser art yeah that coupled with because i do artwork myself i'm i'm an artist and a writer i haven't you know the only time i was published sad to say was in college i wrote poetry um long time ago it's like you know 30 years ago plus so uh but that's okay that's okay. Um, I plan on doing it again. I've been working on some stories and, and what have you and, and uh, just working. A lot of ideas from this pandemic. I tend to do sci-fi um, short stories. And no, I am not published yet on that front. I want to be. <laughs> this is more of a, you know, the, the stories I've been working on concerning the pandemic has been more of a science fiction slash truth sort of kind of, you know, um, I don't want to say mockumentary because it's not mocking this whole thing. This is, that would be a wrong thing to say because of what, what lots of people are going through. But I would say that this is a my stories would be considered to be um, more of a feeling of what's been happening. Maybe not 100% true. I will probably, you know, I'm weaving truths in there. But what I was doing was writing it from a perspective of the future. 
of what the future looks like a hundred years from now because of this poorly run pandemic and if Donald Trump was still in office. And I don't ever say his name. Never use his name because I, don't, I just say the president. And I describe the behavior. That's all I need to do. I don't have to name names. In fact, I'm thinking of making this entire story be nameless and literally use things like the girl, the baker, the this, the that, not, you know, the husband, the wife. Just make it be a very um, stark type uh, accounting, no names, just situations that we've all dealt with, are dealing with. You know, and then of course, the now, because he was, and then I'm I'm thinking of of rolling it back <clears throat> to what it would be like if he gets voted out, and we get someone else in there that can make changes, and things are better, and our health care is better, and you know, so I don't know how I'm working on the story trying to come up with an idea of how to do this. I notice there's a lot of people writing about the pandemic, a lot of people. So it may not be worth anything, you know, but I mean, and I'm not trying to say it's all about money. I just want to feed my dogs and my family. My husband is going to be able to do that. It's just, I'd like to help him out. I can't work on the front lines as a nurse anymore. I can't do that as an RN because of my lupus. It would, I, I would end up in the hospital. I'd be dead. Probably. If I contracted it, COVID, I wouldn't be here. And I don't want to take chances with that. So, you know, it's, there's that. There's definitely that. I don't, I don't want to go that route. So, um, <clears throat> I need to explain, you know, this is the thing. When we came out here, when I gave up my nursing career seven years ago, seven plus years ago, I gave it up because I was sick and because I couldn't handle all the politics and nursing, all the things that were going on, it was weighing heavy on my, on my body and it was stressful, you know, and if, if you know anything about lupus, stress is, can do you in it, the, the, the mere stress on your body can literally put you into a flare. They call them lupus flares and they can, they can devastate you. You can wind up going into kidney failure for crying out loud. And I have damn near. I mean, I was, I had like not the full capacity of my kidneys. I had a beginning kidney failure. I had cardio, my, I have cardiomyopathy. Um, not to the extent that, that some people do. Um, there are, there are things that have happened to me, you know, from the stress alone. Okay. So leaving that job, back that off my heart began to heal my kidneys healed coming here it helped a lot every once in a while I get stressed out I'm feeling stressed now because of this COVID-19 and and all that I'm seeing in the world and then of course our own financial situation we're okay though I'm gonna be truthful we're better off than most people that live around here because we don't live in a credit card world you know what I'm saying we don't live we try our very best to have very few payments. That's the goal. That's the way a person needs to live. I know credit ratings, they say, are supposed to be important. But look at the time now. Look at how things are now. You know, everything's about to crash, right? Financially, Wall Street, the whole nine yards, everything's falling apart. 
Well, I don't know. I'm not on the Wall Street. I don't. I just know that there are big businesses failing all over. And if that's the case, you know, credit ratings, do they really matter at this point? So my, my thing is that old saying when they say cash is king, yeah, it kind of is, sort of, you know, or services are king or whatever. Um, what's going to happen here? Are we going to go back to the ages of bartering? That might not be so bad, except for power and water, needing those things. And uh, <clears throat> it should be interesting. It should be interesting if we can recover. But, you know, if you go back too soon, as they've said, if we go back too soon, we're looking at a resurgence of this COVID-19, which is going to put us into rolling back again to serious lockdowns. And that, I think, is when we're going to see people really lose it, when it's a national total lockdown. If we don't, you know, it's just, I don't know. I watched part of a, a briefing yesterday, uh, and I can't, I just can't watch him very much. It was on the news later on the night, like they were discussing what he was saying and what she was saying, that girl. I do not like her, the new press secretary. God, she's just, can't get past all the makeup. It's hard to, and then try to listen to what she says. She just freaking lies constantly. And she does the same thing that Trump does where she, she lays blame to other people while they're asking questions about the how the response is and what they're going to do. And, you know, how she said that, that, that she would never lie, and she has. And then she says, you know, would you... You said that COVID-19 would ever come here. That's what she had said. And it's here. See, it's here. Um, and they kind of like lit into her about that at the briefing. And she said, and then so she started citing all the mishaps of everybody else. And she says, you know, I wonder if you'll retract all your statements and blah, blah, blah. She has a point. Right. But we tend to take our statements, right? We tend to. I think the, they t tend to make their statements probably based on what is coming from the White House and what have you in the beginning because we were thinking they were telling the truth, right? They're not telling the truth. So we discovered they weren't telling the truth and we started calling them out. I say we. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an employee of any news place. But I'm just saying they started calling them out on the truth. And that's what they did to her. And it's, it's like they, she thought that she you know, smack down, I got you back for what she said. No, it's like we're taking our direction from you guys, which is what we're probably supposed to do, right? That's what they want us to do, but then they direct us in very bad ways. So, but anyways, uh, they were talking about dismantling the pandemic task force already. Yeah. Then they, they kind of went back on that, but then I heard, I watched a video, I watched a newscast that said that it might be a silent disbanding where we don't even really know when they totally disband. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just, we're, we're really floundering for ourselves. Um, Trump made a comment that there will be death. Probably just going to have to accept that pretty much. I don't know if he used those exact words, but the flavor of his speech was, we're going to just have to accept death to reopen the economy. More death. You know, like all this old people are just expendable. Really, are we? He forgets he's old too. 
He's 70-something years old. 73, I think, or something like that. Interestingly enough, though, I think, you know, he, he sits pretty because he's got people rallying after him to take care of him should should anything go wrong. I mean, you know, but talk about specialized treatment, right? He's so special. He gets all the special. He gets tested all the time. He gets this, he gets that, and the, but the rest of the country just gets to go by the wayside. I have no time for this man. I want him out. I want him voted out. I keep having not nightmares, apocalyptic nightmares, with him being a dictator, dressed in dictator clothes, like from other, you know, like a typical coat of, I don't know, I can't explain it, but you know, like what you'd see a Russian dictator wearing or Stalin or somebody, you know, I keep dreaming nightmares about this shit and waking up just literally dripping in sweat looking out the window going oh thank god it hasn't happened yet we haven't lost all of our freedoms yet i keep dreaming that he's going to take everything away he's going to get us in such a vulnerable state because he's already working on that seems like it seems like it when he when he pulls the rug out from underneath you and doesn't help you but he does these little snippets of makes it look like I'm helping you. But then he behind the closed doors, then he like rolls back this protection, cuts this funding, you know, just little bits and pieces. I can't even name all of it, but it's like all this little shit going on behind closed doors. It's very disturbing. Okay, so he's doing that all the while, blowing smoke in her face with other stuff. It just makes you wonder what's going on. And he's just so in love with dictators. But I keep having dreams about him being a dictator. Nightmares, horrible nightmares, and it's like um, they're so disturbing. These nightmares, and I wake up just. <laughs> Sorry, I'm blowing a spider off me. I got a little tiny baby spider trying to crawl on me, but that doesn't mean little fuckers can't bite. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm outside under under some trees this time. My daughter moved my chairs off my porch yesterday. We did school outside under the trees. It was kind of nice. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, he, in my dreams, he's always this dictator and he's got these big, um, military parades going on all the time. And I know he had said he wanted to have a military parade once he wanted one so bad. And he's, he, since he can't really get that to happen for him, he's now he's in real truth, now he wants all of the West Point cadets, grads, whatever, to meet up very shortly now for their graduation. He wants them all in the same place. He wants to come out of the shelter in place and go for graduation because he wants to make this big speech. Well, it's all about it's propaganda for him. And because he's commander in chief, he can force these kids to go. He can force them. And according to the, the general, he didn't want to do it. The, the, the main, I don't know the ranks in the military. I'm very stupid about this. But the top dog in the military there said that, you know, we have to do what he says. It's, it's unfortunate. He's putting us all in harm's way. And something tells me he's not going to allow these kids to wear masks. He probably isn't. They're probably not going to have a social distancing seating pattern or anything like that because our president, he just... So he's going to have them all there. He's going to make this speech. 
for his, this is his military parade, see? That's the way I look at it. That's why I look what's happening. He's got to have it. And he's going to do it at the expense of these children. I say children because these young men and women are graduating from West Point, And they're starting out life only to, hopefully, I pray to God, not end it at the hands of our president who wants them to go crowded all in one place to do this graduation thing in the midst of a freaking pandemic, see? He doesn't care. He cares mostly about himself. He wants to have that big speech. He wants to be surrounded by that military group of looking people, even if they're children. And, you know, it's his dictator moment. A lot of people don't see that in him, but I do. I see it in him because, you know, he's so fascinated by dictators. He's so fascinated in love of Kim, Kim Jong-un, who's been sick, I guess, and is now getting better and... Basically, Trump is sending him love letters, and, you know, Putin, he always sends love letters. And, I mean, it's like this, the dictatorship. He wants to be the top dictator. I don't understand. We're a free country. We're not, we don't have kings here, and we don't have dictators. But that's what he's trying to make happen, and I'm livid, livid that the people, his constituents around him don't see it and don't want to stop it. They should be trying to stop this terrible behavior from happening. But I see it going to go down, folks. I do, and, or, you know, it's my mind is going there because I'm watching his attitude. He is willing to sacrifice the nation to open it back up, and even though he says that he's not, and he's not doing that, his actions say otherwise, you know, because the actions speak louder than words. It's what he's actually doing is what's, what's disturbing. You know, when you say one time, I want you to be careful, social distance, blah, 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 and then the next sentence, or, you know, the next time you're you're on Twitter and you're telling all the people in Michigan and all these other places, you know, liberate, get out there. and So then they think liberate, that means we should go protest. Oh, let's storm the Capitol with our guns, and that's what they've done. They storm the Capitol with their assault rifles and all this kind of stuff all over. The, and I've talked about this yesterday. I need to let it go, but I mean, these are the things that keep me up at night, and I have nightmares about it, and it's just, it's disturbing, and I, I so am tired right now. I'm just so tired. And then my husband, you know, this morning I get up, and he loses his job for, for good. They terminated him. He needed to get out of there, definitely, and he said that this other job, this assembler's job, he basically has it. He just has to go with the trainer and find out what tools he needs, and then they're going to start putting him to work. And he's only going to work two or three days, I think three days a week to keep himself part-time so that he can keep the social security. And we're just going to keep living life as normal. And that's fine. It'll be actually better than normal because he won't be pissed off and stressed out every day. That's that other job, working with all those Trump supporters. I can't imagine working with those people. It's hard to work with people that are so cruel with their speech and cruel with their actions, just like what they did to him today. He gave them heads up. I, I saw the emails. He sent, he showed me how he had emailed them repeatedly that, you know, he was still under quarantine and he had the paperwork that they asked that he bring to work on Monday, which is after this weekend. Well, then they call him now and say that, well, you've failed to show us any documentation, so you're fired. But they asked him to bring it with him, see, 
So they say one thing and then they do another and then they just pull the rug out from underneath them. But I think their business is failing. From what I'm looking online and everything, I think their business fixing to go down. So basically they're cleaning the house. They are. They're cleaning. They've already laid off three more people. Again, see, they laid off four when he was on his suspension thingy. And then again, since then, three more went. And then now they fired him. So see, they're just weeding out the, they're weeding out the store. They're just weeding out that place. And I've been down that road too as a nurse years ago. And we had corporate, corporate mergers and shit like that. Excuse my French. I'll say some words. That's not French. But corporate mergers, they cleaned house. I'm telling you, it was like a, it was like a house cleaning thing where, you know, they literally went through and went through people's. In fact, in fact, when I was, uh, when I turned in my resignation, I had, I was a bit of a troublemaker um, at my job in the sense that I would always um, point out the wrongdoings of others, uh, meaning of wrongdoings as an RN. You point out the wrongdoings. You're usually, you're usually pointing out the dangerous stuff if you're blowing a whistle in a hospital. You're you're, you're uh, pointing out the um, life and death stuff. Children being mistreated or, you know, in my case, it was children. You know, in my case, it was children being, their cares being mishandled. Things being done. Potential insurance fraud. Stuff like that. I witnessed some of those things. I blew the whistle on some of those things. And apparently, you know, that little in every hospital corporation whatever they a lot of times they have these um uh what do they call them the anonymous hotline that you can call it isn't anonymous it's not because they knew exactly that it was me they knew me mm. i turned in that resignation i got told i was getting sick with the lupus and i got told that i had i was gonna get fired anyway because of my actions and I said my actions I said yeah you know you feel the need to point out all the 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 so-called wrongdoings of of these doctors and administrations and different I said well yeah because they're trying to defraud they're committing insurance fraud they're doing you know unnecessary procedures and I've had to get people to stop you know get other doctors to step in to stop some of these people from doing unnecessary things they're picking on they're picking on the um people who can't speak english the immigrants i said you know this is all illegal crap and you guys are doing it and then you get mad at me for pointing it out and she says well you know you're just bad for business <laughs> i'm just bad for business okay i just tell me right then and there this is not we are not in the business of taking care of people were in the business of money yeah she basically told me that but I mean you know I, that's when I was like I'm hanging up this nursing cap I'm done it's been 27 years now since I graduated and working and I'm done and I was glad to get it over with so truthfully you know I I did get to do the resignation but if I hadn't they told me they were going to be firing me anyway you know my sweet love here just he didn't get to turn in the resignation. I wanted him to have the upper hand. It, to me, it would have felt good to be the one to say, up yours. But, you know, it is what it is. 
he doesn't seem upset about it. And I guess that's the most important thing. He's not upset. We're not going to fall to pieces. We're okay. we got things in the wings. It's all right. It's just, it's the principle of the thing. You know, it's the Trump tactics of the thing. It pisses me off that they choose that. Trump tactics nonsense. I call it that because it's, you do the right thing, you get punished. That's wrong, you know. And with Trump, that's the way it is. You do, if you're a worker and you work next to him and you witness a, a, a bad thing and you do the right thing, he punishes people. So, but this is when we decided we're going to go ahead and get our laser business going. Artwork. You know, we've worked our buns off doing other things, and now it's time to to do stuff that's beautiful and healing. And we're not after being super rich and making tons and tons of money. We're just after being able to supplement the income enough to survive. Because I, I don't believe in being greedy. Because I think if we had too much, we would definitely be sharing it. So if we end up with making lots and tons of money, I'm going to be sharing it. I'm going to be helping my my pals that are having problems, they'd be helping, you know, making sure our dogs are in good condition and making sure other people need what they, you know, have what they need. That's, that's how we are. I mean, I'm not trying to toot the horn here. I'm just saying that's what our, that's what our, have always been our um, motivation is that, you know, if we have enough, when we get too much, we try to share a little bit. And it always ends up being we get blessed in the end, you know, it's like we do a lot of things for our good friends down the street. We help them out and we needed fencing for this front yard and we got some fencing. We bought some used fencing because we're all about buying used things. And my sweet man got taken for a ride from this, not these people, those are, but this other person who sold this fencing. It was, he spent over 150 bucks for this fencing. We thought it was a good deal. We were told it was like a, a hundred and I can't remember what it was like over a hundred feet long, right? We're so excited. We get it. Guy drops it off and then leaves and it's like it's like half that <laughs> length and it's rusty. And it's too late because he's already left. And of course, you know, I'm such a butt. I am not a nice person. Sometimes my mouth says things before I've actually thought it through clearly and I said to my husband so you didn't check it out before they left you didn't pull it out and measure it you didn't say no this is sucky shit and send it back and then I felt bad the way it came out was so rude I I was so rude and he just said well I, you know this guy needs grocery money I said I get it but you know what he sold us crap he didn't do if he had said he had 40 foot of, or 70 foot offense and it was kind of in bad condition if he was honest about it and said but I'm really my family really needs groceries is there any way you can help us out I guarantee you my husband would have given him the money taken the rusty fencing tried to make do with whatever he could and then send it on he would have done that see well, here comes my munchkin but that's not what happened but anyways the neighbors down the street we had done lots of things for them and they bless their hearts gave us over 150, 170 foot of fencing for nothing with all the fixings. It's used, it's got some 
icky spots on it, and that's why they didn't want money for it, because it had some icky spots on it. But we've been doing lots of stuff for them. Like, my husband built their generator. He did all kinds of stuff for them. And they said, here, we want to pay you back, because we know you want that fencing for your dogs to keep them all in. And you want to keep your wife safe, because she's got lupus. You know, people coming in the yard. And so we understand. And so we're going to help you out. And that was just the best gift ever. So, you know, when you help people, you know, you get things um, in return that are not necessarily loads of money, but you get this blessing, you know. So we've, we've donated lots of stuff to them to help them out in their time of need, food, whatever, you know. And then when they were blessed, they were able to help us. And it was just, it was just so nice. Very, very nice. Made you feel made me feel good. So there's that. Living simply like that without a lot of overhead is nice. I think that's what we're moving into. You know, I know my husband, we and I had original feelings of let's travel a lot in our retirement years. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do all these things. Well, then COVID-19 hit. And financially, you know, things, all these places that would normally be taking tons of tourists, well, they closed down. And we have all these dogs, and we can't go anywhere anyways because we have all these dogs to care for. Well, in a way, it's kind of good because we're safe. We're stuck here. We can't can't get out and mingle so much, so we're able to really socially distance like we're supposed to. And my husband's job that he'll be getting, that he'll be doing, assembler's job, he is by himself in a back room away from everybody putting these things together. See? Without the threat of being spewed on. <laughs> spewed on with snot, as you were. COVID snot. So it's a good thing. His other job, they didn't social distance. They didn't take care of each other in that respect. Even though they said they were, they had all these things. Yes, we're going to do this. And then they didn't. Very frustrating. So in the long run, this is better. You know, and he'll be less... He'll be gone less time. He'll be gone like three days a week and home the rest of the time, able to do his projects. We'll be able to do this business, this laser business. And it can be in my name so that it cannot affect his social security, you know. And the business doesn't mean to make tons of money. It just needs to make enough for us to, you know, pay the little extra things that we want Take care of a few extra things. Maybe definitely take care of the dog food. That's expensive, folks. We blow about $60 a week in dog food. A week. So you're looking at over, you know, 60 times 4. That's 240 bucks a month in dog food. And then, you know, medicines and all those things for them. It, it adds up. And we don't have anybody helping us because they want to be able to take it off on their taxes and we don't have the donation. We don't have that tax number so they can do that. And uh, so nobody wants to donate. They're not into donations because they have to be able to take that. In order to get that tax number ID, we need to be able to um, pay for inspections and what have you. And I can't afford that right now. It's like thousands of dollars. In the future, someday maybe. But I mean, you know, it's like this. these are our kids now. All these dogs are our kids. So do we really need people to donate? I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice. People want to help every once in a while. That would be nice. 
I would love it if someone would send me like, you know, like I just got done treating fleas for the dogs. That's expensive. You know, 14 dogs are talking over about 200 bucks. And that's, that could be every month. I'm having to look into some natural remedies now because it's so expensive, you know. But it's okay. We're just going to take it one day at a time. That's all you can do. You live in the moment. And we just hope for the best. And I think it'll work out. Um, these these times have made us have to be different. You know what I'm saying? We we have to be different. We have to think differently. We have to... There is a new normal. It is never going to go back to the old way. I'm pretty certain that, that we've... That ship has sailed. That, the, that this COVID-19, from what they've said, is, is a difficult thing to pin down for a vaccine. It's not an easy one, so... That's going to be on the, 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 you know, waiting on that. And so there's that. And then, um, it's the cure, you know, that's a difficult one. Everybody responds differently to this disease. Um, the only thing that's been fighting this guys is the social distancing, wearing the mask, hand washing. That's it right now. And, you know, to social distance when we need to make money, that's difficult too. So then what, what becomes the new norm? What becomes the new norm? Everybody works from home. We maybe do things small scale. We're talking small scale farming. You know, maybe giving up the critter. Pet food industries are going to have to do things differently if it never can get back to normal. Because, like, I'm telling you, you know, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm worried for my dogs. I am because they require meat for the pet food industry. But then humans, for some reason, think they need meat. They don't. But they seem to think they need it. So they're wanting to force these factory farms and these meat packing processing plants to do above and beyond. They're already in trouble. They've gotten one meat packing plant in one place. I can't remember what it was. They had over 800 cases 800 cases of COVID there in that, in the plant. They just shut it down. Trump signed an executive order to force all these places to stay open. He can't do that. I don't think he can force them to do that. Not when there's so much sickness. Obviously, there's something going on that's making these people sick there. What if it's the meat? What if there's more? What if the virus is, I mean, they don't even know about this virus enough. They don't understand it enough. It comes from animals. It came to humans. What if there's more to it? What if there's a mutation going on? What if, what if, what if? There's all these what ifs, you know, but it seems to me consuming the critter, consuming the animal is not a priority for us folks. We're going to have to figure out how to take care of our pets. You betcha. They don't need to suffer because of that. But the human can live without meat. You bet it can. The animal, depending on what kind it is, cannot. You've got your predatory animals that require their pure carnivores pretty much. That's your cats and dogs and, you know, tigers and all of that. You know, they have to eat meat. Okay. So the zoo, zoos need to be able to get their meat. The, the, um which I feel bad for the zoos, they should call them sanctuaries. Those places need to, it might, it might mean, it might mean they're going to have to release some of these creatures back into the wild to live as they always were and hunt. 
I, you know, and I look at my dogs and I'm thinking, oh, like the other day I walked into one of my dog yards. We, we feed them very well. We do. Obviously, if you saw them, you're like, oh, fatties. But except summer's coming, they always trim down in the summer. They will back off their food in the summer and just really not eat tons. Well, anyways, I walked into the yard of one of my little doggies. She's got her own big-ass yard, okay? I go in there, and she's over there in the corner. And, I, you know, she didn't want to eat her food for the last couple of days. I'm getting worried about her going, geez, you know, lose weight on me and stuff. I go in there, and she's eating a bird. She hunted herself a bird out of the tree, came down and to eat some of her kibble, which was still sitting there, mind you, good kibble. And she was eating this black bird. She ate the whole thing. It was dead, thank God, when I walked in there. But she'd hunted it and gotten it in her yard. Our yards are that big. These dogs are able to do that a little bit. But they're getting fed their kibble. So I go in their yards and I find, like I'll go around every day, twice a day, and put their allotted amount according to the feeding guidelines on the, the package of the food and what the vet told me. The vet told me he thinks the, the feeding guidelines on the package might be a bit much based on the fact that my animals have a bunch of fat asses. They're so big, a lot of them. And he said, maybe you back off a little bit. And I'm like, well, I don't want them to starve. He's like, oh, yeah, they look like they're starving, sure. Well, anyways, several of my dogs, I've walked into their yards. You've got trees, lots of big trees in all their yards. they got all this shade and stuff, right? Well, guess what lives in trees a lot of the time? Birds, of course, and squirrels and all of that. These little squirrels. Okay, I came into another yard and kibble in the bat, kibble in the bowl. And what, you know, they hadn't eaten their breakfast. So I'm like, oh, come on, you guys. I put this out here. The ants are going to get in this. You need to eat your food. And thank God the ants didn't get in that this time. I don't know if it's too cold or whatever. Well, anyhow, I go over there and there they're eating. To, my two girls in the front yards, they're eating squirrels. It's like the, it's the weirdest thing. They all were eating something. Except for one dog, or one, two dogs, my two boys, Bear and Matimio. They weren't. They eat their kibble. I have to stand there while they eat, because if you don't, they argue with each other. And then pretty soon it's knocked down, drag out fight. So I have to stand between the two of them. They're best buddies when they're not eating, but when they're eating, it's a whole different story. So I stand there with them. They're the only ones I have to do that with. Everybody else gets along really well during dinner time, food time. But they're the only ones that weren't eating something that they had found in their yard or they had hunted in their yard. I was shocked. And one of my other girls was eating a snake. She got a snake. So like I said, that's how big our yards are. So I was like, oh, my God. Then I got to thinking, here we are in the middle. It's COVID-19 crisis, right? The food supply train that we already talked about is being an, it's an issue. It's going to affect our animals, I really believe it will trickle down to affect them eventually. Humans are already so-called feeling it. I think they're greedy. I'm sorry. I think humans are greedy when it comes to needing meat. They don't need it. The, the farmers are dumping and letting vegetables rot, okay? Animals are not being processed because they can't because of this and that and the other. But something tells me the vegetable farmers, they could get their vegetables to the place. Anyways, what if... My animals just kind of have this sixth sense of understanding that it may be hard to get kibble at some point. 
We're hunting. Small game, obviously, getting in the yard. I don't know how long that'll last. Um, and I certainly can't turn them loose. <laughs> I don't foresee myself hunting. I don't know if I could do it. It'd be hard. Hunting a squirrel and throwing it in there would be very hard for me to do that. My, my emotional... But I'll do what I need to do for my animals. I mean, you know, they're predatory animals. It's what they do. My cats, I have outdoor cats. I have some indoor cats. They live in the cabin with the outdoor cats. The outdoor cats are hunting. I have two that are old and fixed. And they're hunting. They never have hunted before. So what's crazy is that all my animals who have never really hunted before are trying to hunt. And they don't have to yet because we've got plenty of kibble. So what are they seeing and feeling that I that we don't, none of us really know? The animal kingdom is waking up. And they've already said, pictures from NASA, from high up above, the earth is healing. It's changing. It's, it's looking better. What does this mean for us people? Like the earth is trying to go back to what it used to be. The, the, the sky is cleaner. I mean, you know, the, the small, they said in India, they've been able, they can see the Himalayas now for the first time in 30 years because the smog is down. What is that going to tell people? You know, a lot of celebrities who have lots of money, they're saying, well, we need to have a new norm. We don't need to go back to what we were doing. We all need to try to continue this behavior. Less driving. More more staying closer to home, more walking places, social distance. Don't use your gas-guzzling vehicles, you know. The oil industry is going to probably go under because they can't sell gas, enough gas right now. See? So we've got all this surplus of oil because we're not needing it because we're staying home, most of us. And, of course, then, you know, you're not selling it and the price is dropping. Trump is so worried about that. So he wants to open up the economy, bail out the oil industry, go back to what things were. No, I don't want to go back to what things were when it comes to that. I don't want to go back to polluting the planet and killing it. Let's find a better way. And I'm thinking we can find a better way. We just need to figure out how that's going to be, right? You know, like I said, my husband lost his job. His job worked for... They made the parts for the power plants, okay? The power plants rely on the oil industry, believe it or not, and the coal industry to run these power plants out here. So basically, it's all connected to these fossil fuels that are not replaceable, not in our lifetime anyways. And he loses that job. The writing's on the wall. Yeah, he's a solar nut, just... Throwing that out there, he knows all about solar. He understands it. We've got solar panels all over this place that we're doing. He does experiments with, and I'm like, why don't we just hook them up to the house now? Let's just build our grid, <laughs> you know, and and we do as much off-grid as we can because that's coming up. He understands the mechanisms of all different kinds of alternative alternative engines, fuels, and things. He's a really smart guy. There's a reason that he, and we had talks about this, that if ever the world came to where we'd have to know these things, we could survive. And it's true. I know how to drive a water well. My dad taught us that when we were kids. We need to get our own water well. I, I know the mechanism. I know how to go about it. I know what things you need. 
We were all instructed in this stuff when I was a child. I know how to garden. Just haven't really gotten around to it, but I know how. I've done it before. I grew up on a farm. The folks taught us all these very important things. My dad would say, you never know when you're going to need this information. The world could go to, world could go to hell and you're going to need to understand how to get your own water. You're going to need to understand that if the water is not clean, you're going to have to know how to filter it, clean it, purify it. He taught us all that. Survival skills. We would spend times at the cabin. We had a cabin on the Canadian border. We'd be there for like months at a time when my dad would kind of go through this period of, oh, I don't trust the world, you know. He'd take us out of school and we'd go north and stay in this cabin and had no electricity. You had to get water from the lake and he would purify it and we could drink it. He'd purify this water. He knew all about how to do that. Filtration and the whole nine yards and the boiling and the, you know, this. And we took vitamins, so we would invite vitamins and minerals so that, you know, because a lot of your vitamins and minerals can be in your water. Well, not vitamins, but minerals. And he made sure we all took supplements. Now, you know, if those supplements are not available, what do you do? How do you get it? Right? My mother, she knew how to forage. She knew how to find things. She taught us all those things. And I have to learn it again. I have to relearn it in my mind. But we grew up like that. My dad just yanking us out of school all of a sudden, and we just go to the wild. I am grateful for those times. I used to not understand it. And, you know, my friends used to make fun of me. Oh, you guys are crazy. We live in civilized culture now. You know, this is back in the 70s and 80s. Okay, so now here we are in year 2020. Pandemic. Everything's kind of in a threatened state. Our resources. People don't know how to survive without this and that and the other. But my husband and I do, see. And my daughter, my nine-year-old, has learned by sitting there listening to us talk and discuss our plans and how we do things. So she knows. She's going to learn. So, you know, maybe this isn't a bad thing. I don't want people to die. I'm not saying the pandemic is great, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But the fact that we are living simpler, most of us now, and learning how to survive with less, that's a good thing. Because Americans are notorious for their hedonism. And they're notorious for their stockpiling and having way too much. And, you know, you look at, look at the... Look at the, um, that's interesting. Why is the garbage can, garbage people here so early? Huh. A different service? Sorry. I get a little sidetracked every once in a while because I saw the garbage man go by. He's not supposed to come until tomorrow. Um, but no, you know, we learn, I mean, I know how to, I literally know how to dig a outhouse and create an outhouse and do all those things. And so, you know, I mean, there's, there's things we know how to do, my husband and I. And honestly, him losing his job has forced us to think, well, you know, we have more time to think. We're not dying financially. Not yet. You know, we're fortunate that we, we have the cushion. We thought ahead and we, you know, we did that. I feel bad for my neighbors, not necessarily. Well, actually, I shouldn't say they haven't. I think they have. I think my my lady friend down the street, she and her husband have kind of thought that way too because my husband put the buzz in the ear 
in their ears about being careful and you know they got the generator to protect themselves when the power goes out or you know god forbid and you know they can't afford to pay their power because of you know what if something happens to them see that's their thing for us if whatever for whatever reason we can't afford to pay our electricity bill because of stupidness happening right we have a generator we have solar panels if all we can do is keep our water going hey we're in business right we have gas uh gas heat gas this gas that that's still going the business is still working there people are still using that and they're able to get that we're able to get gas to run the generators because the gas prices are so low right now so you know it right now whether or not whether or not the you know it's all about the money unfortunately you know um some people are being gracious and 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 providing renters assistance or renters forgiveness for people who are renting places, right? They don't get evicted because they can't pay their rent because they're, they don't have jobs. Okay, well, here's the cool thing about where we are. We own this place, lock, stock, and barrel, all paid off. The only thing we don't own is our trailer. We're paying on that. And if we had to give that back, we have a cabin an office cabin building that literally can be converted very quickly and we have everything we need to do so into a house a little tiny house my daughter's playhouse that can be converted into bedrooms for us if we needed it i mean there is no reason for us to suffer or be terrified it's just we have to work a little bit and those are things that i thought of when we first came out here was I told him, I remember telling him that when we looked at this place, I said, wow, if everything, if the world goes to hell in a handbasket, we could, we can survive because we have this place paid for. Our buildings are paid for. We're, you know, we have water, we have all these, you know, if we can afford to pay the water bill, if they can keep that going and you know, if electricity becomes a problem, you're Mr. Solar Man. We have a generator. I mean, we thought about all those things. So we're going to be okay. I just, my heart is sad for those that didn't think ahead. And I'm hoping that they do. I'm hoping that they're, they're able to access that stuff. You know, the bigger cities, I worry about places like that, like the big cities of New York and all that. They have, they are tied into those grids they have to have. And Thank God, I just heard that Governor Cuomo said the other day for New Yorkers, because they're not opening up yet, folks. They are way too high up in the cases right now, and the death toll is still. So he's not open. He wants to keep things under wraps, but he has passed executive orders, or however you want to call that, where no one can be kicked out of their place if they can't pay rent. Their electricity will not get shut off. Their water will not get shut off regardless of how much they need they're not going to be kicked out they're going to have a place and they have food banks set up and there are people coming up all over the place so they're helping see he's thinking he's a good man but they're not all not all not all states are like that see not all states are like that they're not where we live we were told we give a little a little note saying that they wouldn't shut off the water and they wouldn't shut off the electricity if people couldn't pay because of this COVID business and job loss, they wouldn't. But then they opened up our economy here. So now we don't know if that's going to keep standing or not. 
So that's why I was very happy that, you know, our water bill, if you had to choose between the two, is much cheaper than the electric bill, right? Um, yes, summer's coming. It's going to be hard if we have to use the generator. We'll run through a shitload of gas to run the electricity, to run the air conditioner. It's going to be rough. We can survive it. We'll live. My daughter and I were reading in school, we're reading the Lauren Goes Wilder series, and I'll tell you what, all you have to do is read about what they went through and realize that we can make it. If those people can survive, you know, their illnesses that they had and the blizzards that they had and the super-duper bad heat waves that they had without electricity, without running water, they had to get water from lakes and they had, they had wells, and they lived... Laura Ingalls lived to be 90 years old, for crying out loud. Obviously, those tough times that she lived through where they literally barely ate for a whole winter, like ate wheat and water. <laughs> they had wheat and tea, I think, is what they had. Ground wheat from seeds because they had a famine in that winter. They had a big blizzard where they were living. Laura Ingalls Wilder and her family it was back in the 1800s. They took turns grinding wheat seed to make this flatbread stuff, no yeast, they didn't have yeast, to make this really crude biscuit. And they had leftover potatoes from their harvest. Well, those ran out. So for a whole month, those people ate nothing but, I think it was longer than that, maybe two months, nothing but wheat biscuits and tea and water from, you know, they get water from the frozen snow outside they they get that and melt it. And they twisted hay that they had harvested, twisted hay into these, these um, twist things to keep them warm. Temperatures were like 50 below, 40 below, and they would cuddle around their stove all winter. We're talking months this went on. And she wrote about how their hands were chewed up and you know cut up from twisting the hay into these logs to make something to keep they get burned to stay warm now if those people can survive that shit and they lived you know all of them lived to be a pretty healthy age in, in my opinion especially Lori Eagles she lived to be in her 90s and she wrote these stories for crying out loud with all the whatever conveniences that we have even if they did shut shit off you know what I'm saying all of these things, we can survive if they can survive. I look at it that way. They lived through scarlet fever, cholera. Uh, they lived through, um, what was the other thing they ended up, oh, they all got, um, they all came down with uh, malaria. They survived that. <laughs> the stories. You just have to, if you ever want to know, can, can a person survive? Read the Laura Ingalls Wilder series. Read the books. Don't watch the show. The show is... The show is very, very, uh, well, they make it look not as hard as it really was. I promise you. Read the books. The books are a great read. They're easy to read, and there's a lot of good information in there. There's a lot of things. They were meat eaters and hunters. They knew how to do all that. We don't, I don't eat meat. I can't because I'm allergic to it. So for me, I have to forage, but they didn't always eat meat either. They were, had to survive on what little beans and cornbread they had because there was no meat to hunt for. That's how they get their meat, see? They might not get it. And then one time, this is gross, but, I mean, they did what they had to do. Blackbirds took over their land, but they didn't have any um, other things to eat. So the blackbirds were trying to kill their crops, so they killed the blackbirds, and then the mother decided, well, let's see what if we can eat these. 
They had to kill the blackbirds to save the crops. So then they started eating blackbirds. <laughs> they ate the blackbirds and they had whatever left over in their crops. They would lose entire fields full of things to grasshoppers. And you just read the books. I'm telling you, these people survived some rough shit. We are having to go through some rough times too, but I promise you, they went through rough times and when there was no pandemic. And their rough times were worse than ours. They really were. There's your, there's your inspiration to keep going. If you have a moment to find those books, or if you have online capability to, to download or whatever, if you have a little bit of money, if you have a way to get to them, read them. Lori Ingalls Wilder series, I'm telling you, the, she wrote that based on true stories. There's another book she had. It was her, her um, journal, The Pioneer Woman. If you can get a hold of that one. I'm, we're trying to find that one. It's very expensive to get. We're going to read it for school. These are all amazing stories. My daughter enjoys them. She's nine. And uh, she likes them because it's about a different time period, but it, they're going through some toughness. And she even said this. She said, wow, they survived that. We can do it too. Look at all that we have. We don't have, we don't live in a mansion. We live in a trailer. Okay. We live very simply. Laura Ingalls Wilder's family, in the very beginning, they all slept in one room. They all slept in the same room. There were no separate rooms. Then they had curtains they would put up, you know, and now everybody's living so simply. And my daughter, you know, we have separate rooms. My husband actually has one room and my daughter and I share another. And we do that because he has to have a special bed because he has to have it elevated so he can sleep because of his breathing and sleep apnea and all that business in his tummy. So he sleeps in an elevated bed and it actually works out fine because, you know, I can go visit him and then come back to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We try not to do that though right now because I can't get pregnant as a lupus, lupus victim. Um, and I'm still capable of getting pregnant, but we won't talk about that. But back to this, because I'm coming up in the hour, I have to hurry up here with this ending of this podcast. But my daughter and I share one room. Yeah, we share a queen bed. She's my daughter. We sleep in the same bed. A lot of people do that. She's nine. I'm, you know, 54. She has her side. I have mine. You know, um, my husband tried to sleep in there in the very beginning and she had her own room, but it didn't work out because he had this problem that mattress didn't work for him. So I moved her in there. And we, we had him, and it worked out good because when he, we thought he had COVID, he could quarantine himself in the back. So it worked out good. It all worked out. But he's negative for COVID, so all is good. But, you know, she read the stories about how the family literally lived. The girls, their bedroom was a curtain that went across, you know. She's like, man, we've got it good compared to those kids. I'm like, yeah, we do. I'm glad you see it that way. And she's very happy and She's not being mistreated or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of kids who have their own bedroom and everything under the sun. My daughter doesn't right now. Eventually she wills. If we if we ever get to the point where we can break ground on our on our house, yeah, she will have her own room with all the fixings. But right now is right now. And we take it one day at a time and we're surviving. And it's working out. And you know, you discover when you're in situations like this, need versus want. And if you have just your needs met and you learn to live with those needs versus the hedonistic wants you might want, when you discover that you can survive with the needs only, when you get something else, it's just a blessing and it's so exciting. You learn to take pleasure in the small 
wonderful things. You know, it's, it's great. This could be a very big time of healing for a lot of people. The sad downside is there's death involved, and I'm very unhappy about that. The death probably doesn't need to happen nearly as bad if we'd acted quicker. And the death probably doesn't need to continue to happen because we don't need to open up our cities yet, our states yet, to the point that Trump wants them open, to where we're all back to normal, close proximity of each other, spreading this disease. We don't need to go there. And he wants to go there. I, I don't want any part of that. My husband doesn't either. So he, his job is going to be reflective of what needs to happen, which he needs to socially distance. And our life out here in the country, perfect. We homeschool. We've always homeschooled. And it's not a problem for us. Everything happens for a reason. It was a blessing. And I have to say I'm grateful, very grateful for the things that we've been through. So coming up on the hour, this is a northerner stuck in the south, and I'm Ruth Wittstein, and I will talk at you tomorrow. This is May 7th, 2020, Thursday. Goodbye.